1-1166, Raytheon Technologies versus General Electric Company. Mr. Dreyer, whenever you're ready. Good morning, Your Honors, and may it please the Court. Christopher Dreyer, representing Raytheon Technologies and its Pratt & Whitney division. In the prior appeal, this Court rejected GE's and the Board's construction of bond layer, under which any intermediate layer meeting the other requirements of the claims was a bond layer. Instead, this Court held that only a layer of material designed to adhere another layer to a substrate is a bond layer. On remand, the Board made two critical errors. First, it applied this Court's construction to the wrong thing. And second, it misapplied the construction in so doing. Starting with the first error, the Board held on pages 11 to 12 of the final written decision that the Tarantiva references optional outer layer is not present in the modified article of Tarantiva proposed by GE. Yet, when analyzing whether that modified article meets the bond layer limitation, the Board explicitly relied on that same optional outer layer being present. And indeed, the Board said that the optional outer layer meets a structural element of the claim as construed would be another layer required by this court's construction. This contradiction in the final written decision is not a procedural error, as the GE suggests. It's a substantive legal error. Well, the Mr. optional Dreyer, outer layer... Mr. Dreyer, uh, this is Judge Prost. I, I take your yes, point. I understand, I think, what you're saying, but just let me try to... Is it your view that is it Tarantiva... Uh, that the board at most found that Tarantiva discloses a layer capable of, but not designed to adhere. And then you sort of complain that this is kind of a functional limitation in the design to and not sufficient. Is that a kind of correct analysis of your argument? Uh, in part, Your Honor, I think that's a, that's a correct analysis of, our, of the second error that I, I hadn't gotten to yet. But I think there's, even before that problem, there's a threshold question of whether the board can simultaneously rely on this optional outer layer as, as being the another layer, uh, as it does on page 19, after the board itself found that this optional outer layer is not present in the, in the modified article that we're supposed to be comparing to the claims. I mean, the, the optional outer layer here, I mean, it, it's, not, it's not Schrodinger's layer. It can't be both present and not present at the, in the same article at the same time. And so our, our point is, with, with the first error, that they can't have it both ways. The board could choose between saying, okay, yes, the optional outer layer is present in the combination. And then they would have had to, to meaningfully address our, our argument that it was a, an improper new argument. Which they, didn't, uh, which they didn't have to confront as they're finding that it wasn't present. Or they could say that, you know, it's not present, in which case they can't say then that the optional outer layer meets the claim limitation. And it has to be one or the other. It can't be both. Um, and so I think that alone is, an, is a sufficient basis to reject the, at least the board's primary rationale for finding the bond layer limitation satisfied. Turning to the second error, which, which you alluded to, Judge Prost, 
It really is a, is a question of what does this court's construction mean? Uh, the board misinterpreted this court's construction because in, in purporting to apply the construction, the board focused just on whether the protective coating of Tarantiva would successfully adhere both to its substrate and to the optional outer layer. But the language of this court's construction doesn't say that a bond layer is any intermediate layer that's capable of successfully adhering to the adjacent materials. It says that a bond layer must be designed to adhere another layer to a substrate. And that's a critical difference because under the board's interpretation, any intermediate layer becomes a bond layer unless there's no adhesion at all and the, and the whole multi-layer coating simply falls apart as soon as you put it to use. And if that were the case, then this court's construction in the, in the prior appeal isn't meaningfully different from the construction that the board had originally adopted and that this court rejected. Well, didn't, didn't the board, this is Judge Prost again, didn't the board find that Tarantiva's layer has an adherence quality? The, the board did find that it has an adherence quality. And it relied on the evidence and the expert testimony and stuff in which we normally defer to? Yes, Your Honor, but there's a, there's a serious problem with that analysis. Both of the experts in this case agree that the functionality of these layers is highly context-sensitive. It's not a matter of just looking at a layer and saying, oh, it has adhesive properties, and so we can assume that no matter what system you put it into, it's always going to adhere well to everything that's next to it. You have to look at how, not just whether it has adhesive properties, but whether it adheres to the particular material that it's, it's being um, used with. And that's the, the evidence that was really missing in this case, is that GE's expert and its, its other evidence never addressed adhesion in the context of the combination, which is whether Tarantiva's um, protective coating is adhering a, a BSAS layer from Eaton to a substrate. It's all looking at, at adhesion in different contexts. For instance, the board relies on Tarantiva says that it's, protective coating adheres well to, to Tarantiva's substrate. We never disputed that. We agree that Tarantiva's protective coating has some adhesive properties, but the question remains whether those adhesive properties are such that it is necessarily designed to adhere Eaton's BSAS layer to a substrate. Uh, this is Judge Chen. Yeah. Uh, Tarantiva's bond layer is the same composition as your bond layer disclosed in the patent, right? No, Your Honor, that's not an accurate characterization. What the claims of the 360 patent require is they require that a bond layer be made uh, out of at, at least comprising certain materials, namely molybdenum and silicon. Um, and we don't dispute that Tarantiva's protective coating meets that compositional requirement but the particular composition of Tarantiva is not described anywhere in the 360 patent, um, nor is there any evidence that every single um, 
every single compound comprising molybdenum and silicon functions the same way. But Jeremy talks about its adhesive quality and how it's um, it's quite strong in order to um, handle all kinds of difficult conditions so that its coating doesn't get swept off of the surface that it's applied to. Isn't that right? Yes, Your Honor, that's and right. I, but that, I, guess the pro- I guess the concern I have here is that uh, I agree with you that this board decision focuses heavily on the adherence and stickiness of Tarantiva's protective layer to the substrate it's to be applied on. But at the same time, the board does credit Dr. Glazer, who said, and the board is, well, the board is saying at A16 that um, when the outer refractory layer is present in Tarantiva, the coating layer, which is now an intermediate layer, would adhere to both the underlying substrate and the refractory layer overlaid on it. And then at A17, the board talks about how, quote, Tarantiva describes the adhesive quality of its protective quoting in significantly greater detail than the 360 patent. As we just discussed, um, the materials, uh, as you recite in the claim for your bond layer, are the same as the materials used in Tarantiva. So I guess when we put all of that together, um, what we come away with is a finding by the board that this bond layer in this Tarantiva reference has uh, very good adhesive properties. It may also be a protective layer, but it's still at bottom uh, also a bond layer. And I don't know how we can say uh, in the face of all this that that's unreasonable and must be overturned because there's really no other way to read Tarantino's reference as just being some random layer that slid between two other layers. Can you respond? Yes, Your Honor. Um, there's, there's really two issues with that line of reasoning. And I'd like to start with the first one on Appendix 16 where you, you quoted the board, and the board is quoting to GE's remand briefing. Um, and then, you know, parenthetically, it, it cites to the uh, underlying evidence of Dr. Glazer's testimony. And the first problem is that the, the underlying testimony by Dr. Glazer doesn't actually support the proposition that GE cited it for in their, in their remand brief. Dr. Glazer never identified and never put forward any testimony about whether Tarantiva's protective coating um, would adhere to at least to the refractory layer on top of it. Um, and, of course, there's no dispute that it would adhere to the underlying substrate. Um, but, but GE's expert didn't address adhesion in, in even the context of Tarantiva's outer layer, much less once you modify that article and you replace the outer layer with Eaton's BSAS layer, he certainly never said, oh, and it would still adhere just as well once you make that change. Um, that's not a, a testimony that exists in the record, and there's really a, a critical failure of proof on that point. Um, so don't be fooled by the board quoting GE's brief, um, which does not accurately represent the underlying evidence in, in the record. Um, the, the second problem 
goes to this issue of what does this court's construction mean? What is the designed to adhere mean something more than just, you know, it happens to adhere? And our answer is yes. Um, and the easiest way that I can, can think of to illustrate the point is you can have an intermediate layer that adheres very well to an outer layer and a substrate, but still doesn't adhere as well as the outer layer would adhere to the substrate if you didn't even have the intermediate layer. So in, in that scenario, it wouldn't make sense to say that the intermediate layer is designed to adhere the outer layer to a substrate. After all, the outer layer would adhere even better if the intermediate layer wasn't present. It must be serving some other function, and that's why it's there. And, and that's the objective meaning that we really think that the court's construction has when it uses the phrase designed to. We think that means that the function of the layer is to provide adherence that otherwise would be inadequate or missing in some respect. And that is not a that is not an issue on which GE ever put forth any evidence. Um, they certainly never said, for instance, that Tarantiva's protective coating helps adhere the outer layer. So, if hypothetically, what if we disagree and we don't think its uh, bond layer should be defined in such a way that it's a very situational kind of thing where sometimes we look at a substance and it's a bond layer, and other times when we look at it, it's not a bond layer. That it's just intrinsically, does it have adhesive qualities or not? What if we think that's what the claim construction is? Well, Your Honor, I, I, first of all, I, I think this court already construed bond layer, and I think the language that this court adopted... Okay, I'm just asking a hypothetical, though. Yes. So if this court concludes that what its construction really means is just that the, uh, the layer has adhesive properties, then I think there's substantial evidence supporting the idea that Tarantiva's um, protective coating is a bond layer in the context of Tarantiva's embodiments where the optional outer layer is present. But I don't think there's any evidence supporting the proposition that it's still a bond layer when you replace the optional outer layer with Eaton's BSAS layer. Because the experts in this case both agreed that you can't look at a layer's functionality in, in isolation and say, oh, well, it's adhesive, so it'll stick to anything. Rather, what the experts both said is you have to look at the particular interface between things. That's what Dr. Glazer said at Appendix 1409 to 1410, and Raytheon Technologies expert Dr. Clark explained at length at Appendix 675 to 676 how you have to perform this very context-sensitive analysis. You have to put the layers together and then test them to know how they'll work. You can't just say, well, this layer exhibits this property in one context, um, so it'll do it in other contexts as well. That doesn't work. And to the extent that was the board's reasoning, and respectfully, I don't think that's, that's in the final written decision, um, we don't think that's supported by substantial evidence. 
Um, I think I heard the bell, so I'll reserve the rest of my time and let's get the questions. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I heard the bell, too. Let's hear from Mr. Pepe. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Your Honors, and may it please the Court, Christopher Pepe for Appellee GE. This Court should affirm the Board's final written decision on remand that all claims of the 360 patent are invalid as obvious. And there are two issues that I'm going to address. The first is that the Board correctly applied the claim construction of bond layer that this Court set forth in the prior appeal concerning this IPR. And the second is that substantial evidence supports the Board's determination that GE's combination includes a bond layer under this Court's construction and also supports the Board's conclusion that GE's combination includes a bond layer under the claim construction argument that Raytheon has advanced in this appeal. So I'm going to start with the claim construction issue. In the prior appeal, this Court determined that a bond layer means a layer of material designed to adhere another layer to a substrate. Now, Raytheon has argued in its briefing that this design to adhere has a certain meaning. I believe the Court already answered this question in the prior appeal. And so if we look at appendix, starting at appendix 2094, which is this Court's prior decision, the Court explained that UTC argued that the bond layer should be interpreted as having some adherence quality. So designed to adhere in this context, based on what UTC previously argued, means that there's an adherence quality. And that's precisely the meaning that the Board applied to it. Now, in the Board's final decision, it clearly acknowledged this Court's construction and in numerous instances explicitly stated that it was applying that construction, including at Appendices 8, 11, 14, 17, and 19. Now, despite those clear statements that the Board was applying the Court's construction, Raytheon has asserted that the Board somehow committed a legal error with respect to how it applied the construction. But an objective review of the Board's decision demonstrates that's not the case. So GE had argued in the IPR that the claims would have been obvious based on Tarantino's substrate and protective coating in combination with Eaton's environmental barrier layer. And so the Board, there's no dispute that Tarantino and Eaton met the substrate, environmental barrier layer, and composition and location requirements of the bond layer of Claim 1. So the only issue the Board had to decide with respect to whether the combination met all the limitations of the claim was whether Tarantino's coating was designed to adhere another layer to a substrate. And that's exactly what the Board did. First, the Board determined that Tarantino's coating adheres to a substrate, which Raytheon does not dispute. And second, the Board concluded that the coating in Tarantino also adheres a refractory outer layer to the substrate. And based on those findings, the Board concluded that Tarantino's protective coating is designed to adhere another layer, such as the refractory outer layer, to the substrate. And that's all the claim construction of bond layer required the Board to do. Now, there are two critical flaws in Raytheon's argument. The first is that the construction just required that it be designed to adhere another layer to a substrate. It didn't require the Board to determine whether Tarantino's protective coating adhered any specific layer to the substrate, as Raytheon is now arguing. The plain language of Claim 1 requires a barrier layer, a substrate, and a bond layer between the two. 
Nothing in the plain language of Claim 1 requires the bond layer to adhere the substrate to the barrier layer. And similarly, Raytheon's construction of bond layer doesn't require that the bond layer adhere the substrate to the environmental barrier layer. So the board wasn't required to make that determination under this court's claim construction. Now, the second problem... Sorry, could you repeat that? Sure. What is your conception of the construction? That there's no requirement that the bond layer have adhesive qualities vis-a-vis the environmental barrier layer? The plain language of the claim does not require that the bond layer bond the substrate to the environmental barrier layer. And I think both parties are in agreement that that is not required of the claim. The bond layer simply requires that there be adhesive qualities with respect to another layer in the substrate. Now, Raytheon is arguing that the board was required to demonstrate that in the prior art, the bond layer must adhere the environmental barrier layer to the substrate. And even if the court agrees that that is actually required of the claim construction, which it is not, the board made that determination in the alternative. Now, Raytheon has focused the court in much of its briefing on a single sentence from the board's decision on Appendix 19. But the board at Appendix 22 also unequivocally concluded that the protective coating in Tarantiva would adhere Eaton's BSAS barrier layer to the substrate. In particular, the board stated that it is our finding that Tarantiva's protective coating would have been understood to work to adhere successfully Eaton's BSAS barrier layer to the substrate when the BSAS layer replaces the optional outer refractory layer. So even under Raytheon's interpretation of the claims, at Appendix 22, the board clearly made the finding that it needed to find. So there is no legal error here because the board addressed the bond layer limitation under the court's construction, and it also addressed it under Raytheon's interpretation of the construction. So the only question becomes whether there's substantial evidence to support the board's determination that Tarantiva's protective coating is designed to adhere a BSAS layer to a substrate, even if that's required of the claim. Now, again, Raytheon only points the court to the board's citation of Eaton at Appendix 19, but at Appendix 22, the board cited a significant amount of evidence that supports its conclusion. In addition to the clear disclosures in Tarantiva that the protective coating has adhesive qualities, the board also cited the fact that Eaton describes that the BSAS layer is useful when applied to molybdenum silicon alloys, which is what the protective coating of Tarantiva is. In addition, the board cited the Dr. Glaser's testimony, including paragraphs 54 to 57, which are at Appendices 218 to 220. Now, those paragraphs are critical because in that testimony, Dr. Glaser explained why Tarantiva's protective layer would be compatible with Eaton's environmental barrier layer, including the fact that molybdenum disilicide was known to bond with aluminosilicate. Now, that's critical because Tarantiva's protective coating comprises molybdenum disilicide, while the BSAS layer of Eaton comprises an aluminosilicate. 
So Dr. Glaser's testimony, including at least paragraphs 54 to 57, provides substantial evidence for the board's conclusion that the protective coding of Tarantiva would be understood to adhere the BSAS environmental barrier layer of Eaton to a substrate. Therefore, so in sum, Your Honors, there was no legal error because the board applied the proper construction, even under Raytheon's interpretation, and the board clearly supported its conclusion with substantial evidence, as reflected in Appendix 22 of the record. That's all I have, Your Honors, unless there are any questions. Hearing none, why don't we move on to Mr. Sauer for five minutes, if you have anything to add to what's been said. May it please the Court, Peter Sauer on behalf of the intervener, the USPTO Director. I do not want to repeat the same points that GE's counsel has made, but I do want to note in particular that belatedly today and in the reply brief, Raytheon has attempted to raise new arguments about reasonable expectations. Now, that was argued before the board addressed at length in the board's decision, but Raytheon chose not to raise those arguments in its opening brief to this Court, and under this Court's clear precedent, such as in Smith-Klein-Beacham v. Apotex, those arguments are waived. And so arguments by Raytheon's counsel about things like functionally context-sensitive falls directly in that, a reasonable expectation of success when these elements from the two prior art references are combined. Instead, what we have is a single narrow issue for this Court to consider. Whether the board's finding that the prior art discloses bond layer as construed by this Court is supported by substantial evidence. And what the prior art discloses is a question of fact, and therefore is reviewed simply for substantial evidence. GE's counsel has already ably pointed out to this Court the evidence that the board relied on. There is ample evidence, not only that the prior art references teach that the layers are capable of having adherence, but that they are designed to, because the adherence is discussed. And that's particularly clear in view of the point that the board made, that the prior art should not be held to a higher standard of disclosure than the 360 patent itself. And the 360 patent itself mentions a barrier layer only once in the background of the invention discussing the prior art, and so has no further discussion of the quality of its disclosed bond layer in connection with any particular barrier layer. And it also, the 360 patent in discussing the prior art at APPX 50 in column 1, describes multiple different configurations to create these environmental barriers in prior art systems, and that describes them as already adherent. And so that is the baseline in the prior art from which to judge. And as the board pointed out, there's far more specific description in both Terentieva and Eaton of the adhesive quality of the layers, the need for them to hold together. And I would add further, just from the standpoint of common sense, we have to consider that all of these disclosures are in the field of aeronautics and are made for use in particular in jet engines, 
where these parts are subjected to extreme conditions, heat, heat over 1,000 degrees, um, the products of combustion, high velocity. Um, and these coatings are put in place to protect the underlying materials under those conditions. So, of course, the ability of the coating to maintain its integrity, in, order, in other words, to adhere together, is going to be an obvious, forgive my uh, use of that word, uh, inclusion in, in, in compiling or creating any of these environmental barriers. And there is that specific teaching that you need to do that, that the, in Eaton, that the, the intermediate layer, should you choose to use one, should increase adherence of the barrier layer to the substrate. Um, that's all I have, Your Honors, thank unless you. there are any questions. Hearing none, thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Dreyer, you have some rebuttal time left. The, I'd like to start with the issue of what this court construction means, because I think that's really the, the most dispositive issue here. Um, uh, Mr. Pepe pointed you to a sentence in the prior opinion in this case characterizing um, Raytheon Technologies' argument as saying that the bond layer merely has to have an adhesive quality. Um, and Now, I, I apologize if there was any confusion in the prior appeal, but if you look at the briefing in the prior, prior appeal, it, from both sides, it was all about whether the um, bond layer has an adhesive functionality, not whether it has an adhesive property. And for example, um, in Appendix 2136, which is from Raytheon's brief in the prior appeal, the term bond layer on its face plainly refers to a layer with bonding functionality. And that's also how GE understood it in the prior appeal, as you can see at at Appendix um, 2219, they say that the issue, that they, they say that the limitation that we were trying to add at the time, uh, UTC was the pattern at the time, was an unsupported functional limitation. So this was never an argument about whether the layer had adhesive properties. It was always an argument about whether it was serving an adhesive function. Um, and I think, you know, the second point I'd like to make is it has to be a context-specific analysis. You can't say that something has adhesive properties in one context, therefore it has adhesive properties in all contexts. You know, for example, water has adhesive properties in many contexts. If you get a piece of paper wet, it'll, it'll stick to things. But that doesn't mean that water will adhere to oil. And so it, it's simply not right to say we can throw the, the context out the window and, and just look at, at Tarantiva's protective layer in the context of its own embodiments and then assume that it will have the same function in, in the combination. And that's the point, that latter point is one that GE's expert never addressed. They had the opportunity to put in expert testimony addressing our construction and they didn't do it. And it's at bottom, it's a failure of proof that they didn't put in expert testimony addressing the specific context of adhesion in the combination that they were, um, that they were proposing. And um, finally, I'd like to say that you know, we aren't challenging reasonable expectation of success 
you know, the board's findings on remand we disagree with, but we're not appealing that issue. But nevertheless, um, we, we have always argued that it has to be a, that the correct interpretation of bond layer is a necessarily context-dependent um, analysis. And it's not satisfied merely by something having adhesive properties. So unless the court has any specific questions, um, then I'll rest my argument and thank the court for its time. Thank you. Hearing none, uh, we thank both sides and the case is submitted.